1: We don't really know that we can make guess, educated guesses about the future. We can look at patterns in the past and extend those patterns in the future, and think that we know or have some idea of what's going to take place in the future. Economists use that for projecting uh, their their formulas, but we really don't know the future. But God knows the future.
0: And that's the best news we could possibly have. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse. Pastor Leighton Sheely is talking about the doctrines of the church and dealing with one specific word as we begin today, taking us to Psalm 1610 for a definition. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and I'm so glad you've joined us. Here's Pastor Leighton.
1: Well, and one of the best explanations I found was penned by Dr. J.I. Packer, brilliant scholar and educator, and this is what he wrote. He said, The English is misleading, for the word hell has changed its sense or meaning since the English form of the creed was fixed many centuries ago. Originally, the word hell meant the place of the departed, as such corresponding to the Greek Hades and the Hebrew Sheol. And that's what is meant here, where the Creed echoes Peter's statement that Psalm 1610, Thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, was a prophecy fulfilled when Jesus rose from the grave. But since the 17th century, the word hell has been used to signify the state of the final retribution for the godless, for which the New Testament name or word is Gehenna, and so what the Creed means is that Jesus entered not Gehana, but Hades, the place of the dead, that he really died, that it was a genuine death, and it was from that genuine death that he arose. And it's repeated in, not once, but multiple times in the Creed. Now, why is that so important? Well, one of the earliest heresies that the church had to address was a notion that Jesus Christ wasn't really human, that he was a spirit. And he just looked like a human, and and so if that was the case, then when he went to the cross, he actually didn't die; he just looked like he died. And uh, this was a, a heresy that is so early that even the Apostle John addressed this heresy in his writings of the Gospel and his epistles, the letters, uh, and those were all concluded by ninety five A.D. This is one of the earliest heresies of the Church, and so. Uh, this creed again and again says, no, he really, really died. And then he rose from that death. Now, Hades or Sheol is sometimes spoken of as sort of a prison house. Um, For instance, in 2 Peter 2.4, it says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, angels when they sinned means they are fallen angels or demons. If God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed to them chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So this is a place of holding until the judgment. And the word they're used for hell is Tartarus, which is a portion of Hades. What is Hades? Well, Jesus talked about Hades in his parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. You remember the story? Um, that there 's this place and and the rich man ends up on one side of a chasm and he's, and he 's asking for uh, Lazarus to come and bring him some water because he 's in such torment and it, it just can 't happen that Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham on the other side of this chasm and uh, and so Jesus used Hades in that context, and then also. Uh, Jesus said in Revelation one seventeen, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, what makes Jesus' entry into Hades, the place of the dead, so important for us? Well, the fact of the matter is that unless Jesus Christ returns... Each of us has a 100% chance of meeting death, 100% chance. And uh, the wonderful thing for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ is that He has been there before us, and He has gone through death into life eternal. He's going to see us through. Now you see, people that don't know Jesus have an incredible fear of death because they have no control over death. They don't know when it's coming. They can't avoid it. They don't know what's going to happen when they get on the other side. It's a place of terror. But not so for those of us who believe in Christ Jesus. For us, death has lost its sting. And so before announcing Jesus' resurrection in the creed, it declares clearly he descended into Hades. Now we've made a lot of progress in our study of doctrines encapsulated in the Apostles' Creed and our attention now is brought to the latter portion of the sentence of the Apostles' Creed that reads, He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. Now we already discussed the doctrines of Christ's ascension and intercession briefly in a previous series a sermon in the series. So our focus today is on the latter portion of the sentence, from whence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. Now this speaks of an event in the future. Jesus shall come. And the study of future events is often called eschatology from a Greek word which means last. So eschatology is the study of last things, things that are yet in our future. Now it's very, very clear that humans don't really know the future. We don't really know the We can make educated guesses... About the future. We can look at patterns in the past and extend those patterns in the future and think that we know or have some idea of what's going to take place in the future. Economists use that for projecting uh, their, their formulas, but we really don't know the future. But God knows the future. God knows the future, and He has chosen to reveal some major events, some significant events to us in His Word. And we can have absolute confidence that when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, because God never makes a mistake, and He never lies. However, it is really, really important that we distinguish between what God says and what we think He said. Because we'll read a passage and we will interpret the passage. The passage is infallible because it's the word of God. But our reading, our understanding, our interpretation of it is fallible because it's us. And so we must be very, very careful to distinguish between what's actually said by God and what we think God said. There are some things that we can know about the future for certainty. For instance, Christians believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, why do we believe that? The answer is, he said he was coming again. That's the answer. In John 14, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Be also. You know, when Jesus says he's going to do something, he does it. I mean, he's the only person in all of history that said, on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead, and guess what? It happened. When he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And Jesus promised you that he would go, he would prepare a place for us, he would come again, and he would take us to be with him in that place. And although Christians may disagree as to when and how this is going to take place, all true Christians believe that Jesus Christ will return to bring salvation and judgment. This is a cardinal, core, essential doctrine of the Christian faith. And the importance of this doctrine is evidenced by its prominence in the Lord's Supper, which Christians are commanded to partake of regularly. You see, when we partake in communion, we declare the Lord's death until he comes. You know, we have the most complete instructions as to how to partake of the Lord's Supper in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we partake of the elements, we're proclaiming two things. We're proclaiming the Lord's death. And I'm not just talking about the fact of the Lord's death, that it actually happened in history. I'm talking about the reason for the Lord's death, that the Lord died in order to pay the wages of our sin that we might be saved from sin. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're also proclaiming that Jesus Christ is coming again. And as we continue partaking of the Lord's Supper, we continue proclaiming that Jesus Christ is coming again until he comes again. All true Christians agree that Jesus Christ is returning to bring salvation and judgment. The answer, that answers the question of who, what, and why. However, Christians do differ in their beliefs as to when and how uh, Jesus will return. And so this makes this doctrine a logical pivot point in our study between doctrines that unite us as Christians and doctrines that sometimes divide us as Christians, some of which we're going to look at in the weeks to come. Have you ever wondered when Jesus Christ is going to come back? I have. I've asked that question. And you know, I'm not the first one to ask that question. Uh, The disciples asked it in Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, "'Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age?' And Jesus' answer was, concerning that day and that hour, no one knows. Now it's interesting that in that very same context, Jesus provided, he said, you don't know the day or the hour, but here's some signs to look for for the season of my return. And so in the summer of 2015, we as a church family took, I think, about six weeks to look through what Jesus said and what others said were going to be the signs of the return And uh, one of the signs that Jesus mentioned is earthquakes. And Tom Parsons, a research geophysicist with the United States Geological Survey, the USGS, said we have recently experienced a period that has one of the highest rates of great earthquakes ever recorded.
0: We featured that series from 2015 a number of years ago here on this broadcast, and we'll have to come back to it. Maybe update some of the information. This is Study Verse by Verse. You've been listening to our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely. He is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Their website is at highlands.us. And despite the times we're coping with, ministry and worship continues to happen at Church of the Highlands. The details are on that website. There are services Sunday morning, virtual services, and Sunday evening. There's a daily devotional you'll find, updated every day, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, a number of virtual events, including a marriage night in September. The details, again, can be found on the website at highlands.us or give us a call if you find it easier at 650-873-4095. Please remember, we're a nonprofit outreach. We really appreciate your encouragement and your financial involvement. You can give safely on the website. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll continue to study verse by verse.